you have to be positive. You can't, if it's, you're negative, everything else in your life is going to be negative. You can't, it's a bright, beautiful day. Love is a daily decision. If you don't want to be lonely, get off your damn butt and get out and start communicating. Hug and kisses were part of my, my medication. It was, I just, I was just going to be an affectionate father and I'm meant to be and I'm still am. Welcome to the People Around Town Community Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Michael Cropper, and I'm really happy to bring you this podcast. My purpose is to connect with people from all backgrounds and let them share a little of their story. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has life worth living, and we can all create more joy in our lives. I want to hear other stories so we can learn from each other. If you are interested in sharing about yourself, please go to peoplearoundtown.com and send me a message. Okay, I'm here with Ken, and we're in uh, Murray. Is this Murray, Utah? Yes, it is. Okay. Is it part of Salt Lake City? Well, it's a branch of and close to Salt Lake City, but we always say Salt Lake City because most people don't know where Murray's located. Our friend's out of state, so we just say Salt Lake City. Okay, cool. Uh, Ken invited me and a friend over for breakfast. Ken and his wife, Shirley, and uh, got to talking with Ken. Uh, Ken, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, I guess when you talk about yourself, you have to start at the beginning, don't you? Tell me just a little bit. How? A like, little bit. Yeah. I was born in 1938, so I'm 50. I'm 50. I wish I was. I'm 81 years old. A lot of experience. Well, you gain experience as you get older and older, whether it's the right one, but I feel it has been the right one. Yeah. Experience, that is. Yeah. And you were born over south of Chicago. South of Chicago, a little tiny town called after an Indian name called Kankakee, Illinois, about 60 miles south of Chicago. Cool. Well, Ken, I like to get straight into who you are. And one way I do that is I, I like to ask, how do you experience joy in your life? What brings you joy? Oh, God, what brings me joy? Well, I think, um, I never thought of it. Um, I have to go back to my wife. First meeting her when I was about 20 years old, First, my first um, view of her was outstanding. I thought she was very beautiful. And I thought, okay, I want to marry her. And down the line, nine months later, we were married. Awesome. That's one of them. Back in, uh, back east or here? I, mean, in- I was in the Navy at the time, and she came out to see her brother in Long Beach, California. And he introduced me to her. And by the first scene I seen of her, she's getting out of a car. She turns around, and I seen that beautiful face. I said, oh, that's it. <laughs> And you still love her to this day. Well, yeah. Uh, we have a good marriage, a very good marriage. We have our ups and downs. Of course yeah. we do. Do we call each other, you know, uh, like, oh, go to hell? She says, I can't. She said, why? I said, why? Because, well, I'm already, I'm already there. Yeah. <laughs> so we do, we have our ups and downs, but most of them, most of them are all up. Okay. So your relationship with your wife is one of your greatest sources of happiness it, in your life? Right, because... Uh, in adolescence years, you, you have your ups and downs, and who am I? And and going to the Navy, uh, I matured more. And now, bingo, I met, meet this woman called Shirley, and my happiness became a full, a big, huge. Yeah. 
Um, you and Shirley have experienced a lot together, I'm sure. In what, 50? 50, 50, no, yeah, 58 years. 58 years. Uh, yeah, 58 years. We were married in 1961. Um, is there anything, uh, anything you guys struggled with in your marriage? Like a, a, <laughs> maybe a big struggle that comes to mind that really well, the one brought that, you closer together or drove you apart? Like what was something? Well, the one that actually it, uh, we got married, a bliss was great there. I went to school as a, as a barber and uh, I got out and we decided even before we were married that we would not have kids for, for three years after we got married. We kept to it because a year after we got married, we bought a house. And we furnished it, and now I was a barber, and she was a working as a secretary finance company, and living, you know, basically pretty well. And then we realized, what are we doing? We got married for a purpose, and we decided to have children. So, when that decision made, it was a bingo. <laughs> we got pregnant, and uh, had a great, beautiful boy, and down the line we had a beautiful daughter. And all of a sudden, I realized um, the communication was down a little bit because we were raising babies and uh, we were con consuming our life with them. And uh, you've heard of the seven-year itch? We had the nine-year itch, and uh, we, it was bad. Mm. We, uh, we even talked about separation. Then I, then I realized, and I think we both realized, we lack of communication. We had to communicate, and we would stay up, oh God, to midnight, trying to communicate. And finally, somewhere along the line, we had it right, and we kept on sailing. What happened? What changed? What changed for the what from that to in the communication? Well, the communication would have to be the prime. We would uh, get a babysitter, and we'd go out on a date, and. Uh, at a restaurant, we did not know what to talk about. We would look at each other, and all of a sudden, someone would start talking about the babies. And that wasn't, we, we weren't supposed to talk about babies. We weren't supposed to talk about ourselves. Yeah. And we had to really, really concentrate on talking about each other and ourselves. Okay. That sounds remarkable. You kept on trying, and eventually you we realized this we is what it. we needed is to yeah. talk about ourselves. Yeah. If we then, keep on talking about the small things of life and our children and other things, then we lose our relationship with each other. Is that kind of what happened? Well, yeah, we brought everybody into the picture then. Not only us, our relationship and our communication, but our babies also. And they be, and uh, it was just bliss after that. We're a type of family that uh, are very open. Uh, it was very... We, Several times you've seen us all in the bathtub together, all of us. <laughs> and so that was our, that was our communications with our children and ourselves. Yeah. So what did you communicate about yourself? To who? Her? To her. You lost that for a time because of the kids and things. Well, you have to realize that uh, at that time period, you, your sex life has to go down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's obviously got improved and uh, this may not be something you want to put on tape but uh, we were at a big party one night uh, on the, in the block and this uh, we had about six couples there and one 
funny wife wanted to go around to each of the couples, each individual, the husband and wife, what makes their marriage so great and what, and how, how, do, how do you relate to your wife or her husband? So it came around, came around, and it my turn. What am I going to say? I said, well, um, our, our relationship with, with each other is so great that our sex life is so great we could put porn stars to shame. <laughs> That's what you said? Yeah, and that didn't go very well, but I didn't care. And my, my wife hits me, and I said, well, she said, well, you don't have to say that. <laughs> I said, well, is it right? And she said, yeah, it is. But <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it is, but it's true. You know, if a, if a marriage is going on the rocks, the rocks are in the bed. Yeah. You got to throw those rocks away from the bed. So you guys did kind of some marriage counseling type of thing? Well, um, it's sort of a counsel, uh, that type of grouping. But uh, through our Catholic Church, there, uh, in 1974, the Catholic Church started a marriage encounter uh, session where you go for a whole weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, stay in a motel, and you improve on your married life. On, on, uh, you have a subject matter at each, at each sessions, and you write on it. Ten and ten, they call it. And you write on that particular subject matter. The first night, first Friday is an encounter with, uh, with self. The other one is encounter, uh, Saturday is encounter with others, and, and Sunday is encounter with God. And it uh, just improves on your marriage life as a keeping in communication. We had already been there, so we just, we didn't have to improve on it. We just had to uh, bring it in and make it better even. Mm. I think those three points, connection with myself, connection with others, connection with God, seem like key, three key aspects of connection, really well, important to focus on. And a person, an individual, and also good for a marriage couple. Yeah. You know, you do it as, as you see God in your own life. Yeah. So what do you do in your spare time? What, do you, what are some hobbies? How do you enjoy spending your time? Oh, brother, I'm not a sports person, but I do watch sports, but uh, I don't engage any. Um, we are active in our church, not overly. Um, when we were younger, still working in, with raising a family, we were involved in marriage encounter, of course, for 20 years. Then we broke off and became a youth encounter couple, putting on religious retreats for them. They had to be 16 and up to, in, including college, but nobody had to, could be married. And we put usually about 60 kids on the weekend, probably 30, 30, 30 guys and 30 girls. girls. And uh, then we, we uh, taught confirmation for 10 years and very involved in just church. Well, we enjoyed it. But now that I'm retired um, for 20 years, uh, we uh, live in a condominium and I volunteer like a lot of men here. I take care of the pool during the summer. Uh, we're active in um, a lot of friends at church. Um, we go to, we, fortunately we have enough money to travel. I've been to Europe a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, and cruising and uh, you know, you don't, you're not pressured into proving yourself. You just enjoy each other. Yeah. Another question I have is, uh, you know, we see the world and there's lots of, lots of issues. You and I were talking about some, but uh, how do you think 
we can heal the world. What do you think the world needs to be healed from? And how could we heal it? Well, first of all, accept each other who we are as a person, um, equal rights, uh, uh, don't abuse each other, whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual. Reach out and love, and hopefully you get it back. If you don't, then get after that person and see why you're not receiving that. And a lot of people have problems. And try to, uh, if you have the energy and, and to help them, reach out and help them. That's good. I hope so, because <laughs> that's what I do. That is what you do. I can see as, that. That's what we do yeah. as a couple. Yeah. We're, uh, we're definitely a couple. That's for, I, I swear to myself, I, I'll be thinking about something, and I'll be damned. Surely we'll say the same thing. I'm thinking, how'd that happen? Was she reading my mind? <laughs> we'll get ready for church in the morning, and we'll be in the same colors. <laughs> what the, what's going on here? Yeah. So we rub off each other in a good way. Hmm. If you had like a, a soapbox that you could stand on and you tell people, like, I want you to hear this, what would you say? Um, I think still, I don't know, equal rights. Uh, everyone is equal. Love everybody. Love, love. Touch. Touch is very important. Hug. Give a kiss, kiss in the cheek. Uh, notice I didn't use gender here. Um, just be open, be honest. Uh, yeah. That's all. Is that it? Um, no, there's like, you have a whole, and I can edit parts of this out. You have a whole life of experience, tons of experience. <laughs> I just am not, um, there's a million questions I want to ask you. <laughs> Hit him. Let's see. What? How is the world different now than it was when you were a youth? Oh my word. Um. And especially in terms of relationships with each other, and do you think things have gotten better in some ways or worse in some ways? You mean our relationship with my wife? No, just as people, community, relationships with each other, what you've seen. Oh, my word. Um, well, okay, it's, I don't know what to even um, go after. Um, differences. We're older. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're, um, terminologies have changed. Uh, we're more acceptable, accepting uh, like... Uh, Right, the simple fact of living together, you know, uh, a couple decide that they're going to live together and eventually, possibly, maybe get married. Our two kids do it. Mm -hmm. And they lived with their future spouses for about two years each. And eventually down the line, they got married. Well, back in my days, uh, if somebody did that, with a, with, well, it would Look be... down upon. Oh, my word. It would be uh, shocking up. It was, it was just that wrong terminology. But that's the way it was at that time period. Um, and changes other than that, uh, well, I'm from Chicago, around Chicago. Well, the change dramatically has come up where I was not prejudiced. I was raised in a prejudiced family. Uh, but I didn't accept it because going to school, I went to a parochial school, which is a Catholic 
school. So I got some negativity at home, but I got a good positive um, backing from the, from the nuns. And I, so I had to balance that out. And I went to the right way. So where, your school was not prejudiced? Not at all. But your home was? Yes, it was. But that was the time period. My dad was a true Archie Bunker. He knew it, too. Hmm. So the acceptance of blacks, I think, is very changed dramatically for the good. Thank God. We have a long ways to go still, but... Well, we've come a long ways. Oh, big... Oh, God. Have we, have we like ever? It. Have we ever? I remember... Yeah, they could not go into our, our movies. They could not shop at our grocery stores. Think of that. Yeah. And that has changed about time. And my dad said it one time when he was older and I was older. And he said, he admitted this. He said that we did it wrong back then. We should have helped him and educated him and helped him. And how do you see progress in the future for less prejudice, you know, you say we still have a long ways to go. We what have, is that ways we have to go? We are on a milestone. We're, we're, we're on the right steps. But some people are trying to hit us off those steps. And uh, we'll make it. I think we will because I think, um, I think we'll make it. Uh, the youth, if they're not taught by their older parents to be prejudiced, and they stand on their own two feet and recognize that they can't be present, they shouldn't be present. I think that's where our changes will be in our youth, in all phases. Uh, I think I, a lot of people talk bad about the youth, but the youth that I know are heading in the right direction. And each, each society, each generation has this good and bad anyway. Yeah. So I'm, I'm leaning more towards the good of the youth. Okay. Awesome. Sounds very optimistic. <laughs> You're a very optimistic you person. Have, you have to be positive. You can't, if it's, your negative, everything else in your life is going to be negative. You can't think that way. You have to be, it's a bright, beautiful day. Love is a daily decision. Have there been times when you have felt depressed in your life and you've had to overcome it? Hmm. I can't remember too much other than Wow, see, I'm in struggle with that. I can't. Oh, I get. Well, if I do get into that state, I seem to s slap myself on the face or something, and, and get out of it. And I get out of it. I don't know why and how I do it, but I do it. So I'm a very, I'm not very depressed at all, hardly at all. Yeah. Once in a while, and uh, it's uh, it's usually because I'm tired. If I'm tired, I need a rest. And after I get rest of them, I'm a new man again. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of people maybe don't know quite how to slap themselves out of it. And, you know, you have a powerful propensity, maybe, to, to jump out of something like that. How I say it is I say, God scares me in a good way. <laughs> and uh, God does. Um I don't know who God is, basically. I'll be honest with you, but God, there's a supreme being. There's somebody that's watching over me because I feel so fortunate that uh, things happen to me that I think, wow, how come I, how come I, why did I receive this? Why did I get this? And, uh, and it comes to me, and that's why God scares me in a good way. I've had a very good life. I've uh, worked at it. That's for damn sure. Um, 
I've worked at it. I've tried to. God's been in my life as this devout Catholic, but I'm a liberal Catholic. <laughs> I, uh, I think for myself. Um, what was your approach to raising your kids? My approach to raising my kids were basically uh, to do, not to do all the bad things my parents did, and so I had to improve on that. And the first thing is that um, I didn't know I had a male or father in my life until I was about seven years old. I don't, who is this? I don't know who this is. I had a mother, and then all of a sudden, he, he was my disciplinarian, that's for sure. And through that, through teenagers and all that, um, I uh, struggled. And I'm, and I think, I think, going, by going to the parochial school and those fantastic nuns, I think, helped me. A lot of people complain about those nuns and how mean they were. And I think, wait, 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 wait. Um, how were you being taught by the nuns? Oh, I was a hellion. I said, well, what the hell do you expect? You got it back. <laughs> And I didn't have any troubles with the nuns. I had an aunt and a cousin who were nuns. I had cousins who were priests. And so Catholicism was all part of my life. And uh, is that what, what you're asking? No, you're first to raising your kids. Oh, my uh, kids? Yeah. <laughs> my, well, I said it my, yeah, at the improving, beginning. Improving I said upon it. what you had. I, I, I said, okay, I need to improve this. And first of all, I had to be the good father. The boy was born first. And surely was, at that time period when a wife became pregnant, when she had the baby, she didn't go back to work. That was an unwritten rule back there. And so there I was, one salary coming in. And so she stayed at home. When I went home at night, he was mine. He was my toy to play with. I played with him. I, I did everything with him. At seven and a half months, it's hard to believe, but he was walking at seven and a half months. And he was mine. I can't, and I wanted to be different from my, my father because I never had that. And then when the daughter came along two years later, she got the same treatment. And uh, it was just an open marriage as far as uh, togetherness. And uh, we'd be in bed together and they'd come into bed with us. And uh, I can't remember even sleeping in my dad's, mother and dad's bedroom, bed. And uh, so, oh, very open. Hug and kisses were part of my, my, uh, my medication. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It was. I just, I was just going to be an affectionate father, and I meant to be, and I'm still am. My son, at uh, 55, he still kisses me. And my my grandson, he still kisses me. So it's great. But that's what I want. Yeah. That sounds like the best medication. I love that. Well, damn it, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. How do you teach other people to have what you have? Be open to them. Like at church, uh, how, uh, I know everybody in church, how we've been in that parish for 56 years. So when a new face comes up and I see it there, after Mass, I go right up and hey, how's it going? How long have you been in this parish? Only two weeks? Okay, fine, great, come back again. So I, I greet people. I go right into their face, uh, not to push it into their face, but just to greet them and say hi to them. And through that method, um, I, Shirley and I, and I have uh, 
picked up a lot of good friends and uh i i continue to do it it's probably it sounds th- like it's sincere you care about them oh very much so uh a little nosiness there <laughs> mm-hmm. you know who you are who are you where are you from um uh, how long you been here? Uh, what do you do? Uh, I'm an Oprah interviewer. <laughs> yeah. Good. So you've built a lot of community. Yeah. You can. You if you don't want to be lonely, get off your damn damn butt and get out and start communicating and don't be overbearing. But uh, you know when you're overbearing, you can sense it. You feel it. Your own self. Yeah. So draw back. Yeah. Don't be pushy. And don't ask too many damn questions. But it's just ask the norm norm questions. Nothing personal. <laughs> you asked me a lot of personal questions right off the bat. So I'm not I sure. did, didn't I? <laughs> but uh, only because through David, our friend here, sure, uh, I I picked up some stuff from him before you came here. Oh, okay. And I knew that you were open to the questioning. Oh, okay, I and am. So uh, I uh, I went for it. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I hope so. For sure. So, Ken, I want to ask you about your barbershop experience. And what, okay, full detail or something like that? Tell me, how many years did you work in the barbershop? Well, first I worked 40 years. And uh, as a young, young man, I knew I wasn't going to go to college. So I had to get some type of profession that I could rely on myself. I'd be responsible for. And so I thought, well, and I was very close to a barber before I went in the Navy, and he encouraged me to become a barber. So after I got out of the Navy, I went to become barber school, and I went to, and uh, graduated, and I applied for this job by the University of Utah. I walked into it, and uh, I thought it was just a barber shop, fine, but it wasn't. It was a very exclusive barber shop where it did all the professional men of Utah, uh, Salt Lake City. And in doing so, um, I thought I was just going to cut hair. Wrong. I became a psychologist and a psychiatrist and uh, a good listener to all these men who came into me and most of them were good conversations, just normal human family men with good conversation. But then with that, you've got a lot of men who are struggling in their lives and who they are and what they think they are. And they asked me different kind of questions <laughs> and very intimate, private questions and there I am what am I supposed to do and so to the best of my knowledge who I was I tried to answer these questions very truthfully and they appreciated it um, what kinds of questions did they ask you anything you can think of and I mean that I went through so many divorces so many affairs so many uh, uh, people that were working in a, in, a, in a job that they tried to embezzle money uh, and uh, sexual. Uh, I probably had probably, at that time, I probably had about several men who commit, tried to commit or did commit suicide. And uh, it just surprised me because I was talking to them and, and two, two weeks later they killed themselves. And uh, I remember one, very one in particular, he was a stake president in the Mormon church and uh, he had just lost his wife about two years, and he came in and got in my chair, and he wanted to know what the Catholic Church thought about forgiveness. And I tried to come up with some good answer, why, and forgiveness, and uh, how God loves you, and, and he wanted to know in full detail, 
and does God really truly forgive who you are and what your sins are? I tried to convince him, yeah. And he went home, hung himself. Damn. That shocked the hell out of me. Yeah. And then the young boy that came in, I've been cutting his hair for some time, he's 17 years old. And as soon as he sat in my chair, I knew there was something wrong. Just that whole, I could feel it. And I couldn't get to him. And I let him know that he's got a long life ahead of him. What's ever bothering him will pass because he's too young to realize that his life is there. He's got to live it. And you'll have your ups and downs. I tried to get to him. I could not do it. He went home and shot himself. Dang. Oof. Dang. And uh, other suicides were my psychiatrist, surprisingly. Two of them. Um, committed suicide and uh, I, I cut a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists for some apparent reason and they were at a meeting one time at the University of Utah they were all together doing something I don't know what they were doing and, they, and it was all over with and they, one of them said well I gotta go get a haircut and said well who do you go to and they said, go to Ken down at Foothill hell we all go to <laughs> and they decided right then they said you know they really should we should give Ken a honorary degree in psychology because he sure in the hell deserves it. Yeah, did they give it to you? No, they no. didn't get to talk about it. But um, they said, he has more patience than I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I do. I didn't realize it. I just, because when they asked me a question, I did not give them a rose in, in the answer. Might, a couple, maybe might have had a couple of thorns on that rose, but I answered their questions truthfully and honestly, whatever it may have been. Yeah. If they and they seem to take it, and I, it's you wonder, they took my answers because uh, I never lost any customers over that. They just took it for what I said because I was really honest with them, and I wanted to be honest with them. Okay. And I was. Does Men, listening just come naturally to you? Well, it does, but also too, I realize that in listening, you do have to talk a little bit. Yeah. And so, and you know when to shut up too, uh-huh. because you're. You're talking, you realize, then you shut up, and all of a sudden, they start talking. What kinds of questions would you ask people? Well, um, sometimes uh, I would never be a nosy question. You can't you can't get right into them. How's your sex life, or what's going on with your church? Or, you yeah. can't do that. Yeah. You just normal questions. How's your day going? Yeah. And that opens a big door right there. How's your day going? Uh huh. Because they tell you. <laughs> Or uh, what uh, what you doing in the church nowadays? You know, little little tiny questions that is not invasion invading them, but they're now they're open to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. Like one time, I heard a story about something that was going on, and I didn't have the whole story. So one of the guys that came in one time, I pretended like I knew, so I started the conversation. I said, "Oh yeah," and he started. He told me the whole thing, everything. And he, and he turned to me and says, uh, who told you all this? I said, you just did. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you think people open up to you? Yes, I have to go back to listening. I know when to shut up at the proper time. And if there's something bothering them. Well, there's some people that I think open up to you without you even really talking to them. I know it. At why? The, what is it about you? I don't you? know. I smile. You smile. I smile. I'm definitely happy. I project that. I think I do. Um, you know what's also too, and I, I, I've seen this so many times. Um, looks, good looks, 
You're a good-looking guy. That's people open up to you. Yes, I think that's the reason because I've tested that once in a while. <laughs> I'd be going someplace and shopping. I'll go up to a counter and there's. A, I remember one time I went up to a counter. There's three women there, waiting to be helped, and I just came up and she was done with one and she uh, the person that was uh, waiting on everybody turned right to me and she says, "Can I help you?" <laughs> and these old three women said, "He's not next," and. I think that's part of that right there. Hmm. When you see uh, somewhat of an attractive person, whether it's male or female, you turn to them. And I've, hap- I've had that happen so many times, and I've, I've tested it, actually. <laughs> well, I would say that your uh, happiness is probably the most attractive part, you know? Well, yeah, why be sad and, and uh, sourpuss, you know? Yeah. Uh, show your teeth once in a while. There you go. <laughs> Smile. And you might look like an idiot. Even if they're not completely straight? Is yeah, that okay? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, if they're not straight, then maybe you put your hand over your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I don't know. My my teeth aren't completely straight, but I still Yes, don't. they are. <laughs> See? See, there's the... Con- no, you're wrong. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, my, my teeth are perfect. Yeah, because why? You know why? Why? Because Shirley was in dentistry for 45 years, and I was in barbering for 40 years. Oh, so, so you I, got to I, the teeth. I, she does the teeth, and I do the hair. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, Ken, thank you so much for letting me interview you. Well, thank you. You're, you're a beautiful man, beautiful uh, soul. I hope to be uh, outward and inwardly, too. <laughs> I see it. I see it. All right. Thank, goodbye. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the People Around Town Community Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes, love it, leave a review, or go to peoplearoundtown.com and leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Have an awesome day.